0: Welcome to Wisdom Inspired, a podcast designed to help high achievers to eliminate burnout and overwhelm. Now let's prepare to open our hearts, our minds, and our notebooks to receive today's wisdom. Where we talked about business as ministry, and I wanted to simplify that a little bit. And I found a phrase, marketplace ministry, and it kind of hit home for me. So that's what I'm going to be using uh, to discuss it so as we run it as we're running our marketplace ministries whatever that looks like right whatever that looks like and that doesn't necessarily mean you have to own a business i believe anywhere that you are in the marketplace whether you're a parent who takes care of your kids full-time and you are always present at the school and you're dealing with the teachers and you are surrounding—that That is marketplace, right? That is in the marketplace. I think you are a marketplace ministry. So i if you want to go back and listen to um, last week's calls, I need you to get that embedded in your brain that every role that you have, you're in the marketplace and it is a ministry, Okay. So in order to see divine success in your marketplace ministry, an owner must make a decision to not just be a believer, but a yielding believer, right? Because we can be believers, and there is nothing, you know, that's not me shaking a stick at anyone or judging anyone. But I do believe that there is a difference. Because you can believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, that he is the Son of God, that he is God in human form, and have that rooted, and there is nothing that can change that. But your daily actions may say otherwise. I was listening uh, last week, and I heard that a lot of times we don't behave the way we believe, right? And so that's where it inspired the yielding believer, because yielding is about our behavior, our daily actions that we do. Are we yielding all that we have unto the the belief that we have, right? So I wanted to take a minute, and I want to read a scripture, a passage that I felt was going to be uh, the great backdrop to this, and I was really, um, I'm going to say, in, in, ignited when I saw this in a different way, so I'm going to exodus chapter thirty two and I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but I am going to read a couple of verses, and what I want to read is an exchange between Moses and God. But to give you a little backdrop before I read that in this particular chapter, it starts off where the children of Israel have gone to Aaron, who was basically moses's uh right hand man, and when Moses was up on the mountain talking to God, the people got impatient because Moses was their leader, right? And so they went to Aaron, and they basically bullied Aaron and told Aaron they needed to make a God for themselves. They needed somebody, something or someone to worship because Moses, we don't know where he is. He brought us out of Egypt, and he has disappeared, right? So they needed something tangible, To worship, even though of all the things by this time God had already done for them, I don't even want to get into that part of it, but just giving you the backdrop of all of that, right? And so in that part, while Moses is on the mountain in verse 7, the Lord tells Moses, go, get down, go get your people, like the people you brought, right? It's real specific. He says, the Lord talks to Moses, he says, go down, Go get your people. The people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. He says, they have turned aside quickly out of the way which I have commanded them. He says, they've gone off and they're worshiping a molded calf, a molded, this gold that they molded and melted down because they just bullied Aaron, right? And so here that I thought was, I'm going to say was funny, right? Because here is God who appointed Moses, and he's telling Moses in this conversation, these your people. You did this, right? You go down there and you get them. And he goes off and he says, because they just are stiff-necked people, and I'm not making this up. This is in Scripture. It tells them they're stiff-necked. They're just hard-headed. They just they went off. And he says, my wrath will burn hot against them, and I may consume them, and I will make of you a great nation, right? So this is where I'm going to pick up in verse 11. The Lord just told this to Moses. The leader of the children of Israel, who was appointed by God, that these are your people, okay? And they stiff necked, and I'm gonna kill them all, and I'm gonna make you a great nation. Make you, I'm gonna make a nation from you, all right? Because now the children of Israel was a nation that was not of Moses, right? Y'all getting that, okay? So, here in verse 11, when we pick up in this exchange, I thought this was key to a yielding believer because Moses displays the yielding process so perfectly. So let me read that real quick. He says, Then Moses pleaded with the Lord his God and said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the lands of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians speak and say he brought them out to harm them, to kill them in the mountains, and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath and relent from this harm to your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, and in some versions says Jacob, it says your servants to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven and all this land that I have spoken of, I give to your descendants and they shall inherit it forever. It says, so the Lord relented from the harm which he said he would do to his people. So right here we get in an exchange. In verse 7, we hear the Lord start telling Moses, these are your people. He starts giving him accolades that sometimes the world lays on us. These are your people. This is your tribe. This is the team you built. This is the community you built. Knowing all and well as a believer, nothing that we have acquired, have been given authority over, have been given any type of position is not nothing we've created for ourselves, right? But I was so proud of Moses here in verse 11 because Moses understood as a yielding believer this first thing, that as a yielding believer, everything that I have, this position you put me here, the people that you've given who were looking up to me, you gave them to me. They're your people always, right? So the first thing Moses said, I'm under, um, I know that you are not only their Lord, you're my Lord. So they're not my people. Let me remind you, these are your people. Right? So he didn't have any problem with humbling himself as a leader to understand, no, I didn't make this platform for myself. And the fact that they are idolizing me won't go to my head because they done got so busy and they didn't see me no more. So they got to go out here and make their own gods. No, I ain't going to let them go to my head. And I understand, I'm I not know I'm being tested, but I'm ready because I'm a yielding believer because I already know by everything that nothing I have is mine, right? So he goes on, and not only does he uh, remind him that, no, these your people. Everything I have, everything I've done is yours. The second thing Moses does is he takes responsibility for reminding God about his reputation in the marketplace. He says, how is it that if you should do this, the people of the Egyptians are going to say, Oh, they God just brought them out to kill them, and He didn't deliver them and cross them over the Red Sea to do nothing but to consume them on the face of the earth? He, secondly, he remembered that in this land, He was the authority, the presence that was going to give way to the example of God's power. So He says to him, oh, so if you do this, now in the marketplace the Egyptians just don't have a free reign and talking about who is this God that y'all serving, right? And then the third thing he does, which is powerful, he is, and, and, and truly important to yielding believers is remembering a covenant. As a yielding believer, you have to operate under a covenant. You have a covenant agreement with God through Jesus Christ on this side, this side, which is grace, not the law, with grace, that... You are the righteousness of God that you win. You have the victory, not because of you, but because of Christ that is in you. So you have to be willing as a yielding believer to remember and to go with God's word and remind him of the covenant that you're operating under, right? We cannot get weary. We can't feel like the obstacles are too heavy on us and then fall into pity. We have been given authority, and we operate in that by remembering the covenant that we have. And so immediately you see when these three things occurred, it says that the Lord relented from his harm. There's some scriptures that say the Lord changed his mind. And in my studies and I learned God does not change his mind. He is not like us. He does not change his mind. What relented means, and when you look it up in the Hebrew and in Greek, this is referring to God's compassion. He was moved to compassion based on what Moses had done as a leader. Moses stood in the gap, which is what leaders do for those that they have been called to lead. You cannot stand in the gap for someone when you start to believe you own them. Okay. When you start to believe you own the business that you're running, when you start to believe you own the children, when you start to believe you own your spouse, when you start to believe you own the position you've been given, you can't stand in the gap because you're not able to remember that they're not yours. You're not able to then remember the reputation of God. You're more focused on your reputation, and you certainly don't remember the covenant that you're operating under. So a yielding believer has three things. To remind you each and every encounter that you're going under. What you have, you didn't give it to yourself. God gave it to you. Secondly, you are to operate at a level of excellence that is always going to display the reputation of God and his power above all else. He is not equal to us as humans. He is above us in all things. Okay. And thirdly, be reminded of the covenant. Always operate under that covenant, even when it doesn't look like things are working according to your plan. Know that you have a covenant. Know that you just need to go back into prayer and realign yourself with the plan that God has. And so we can see that if you go further and study this, this is where Moses is going to drop the tablets, which was the Ten Commandments, the law, right? And God rewrites them, but also God's presence leaves the people. He sends an angel to start guiding them. God, up until this point, God was with them. But here he leaves them, and his angel comes to guide them and clear the path before them. And then we get the ark gets created, and all of that stuff. But it 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 starts to show because they were so stiff-necked, and God had done, he had gone through all that he had gone through with them. He continued to provide a way. It just did not look the same. And God already knew what his plan was going to be. So as a yielding believer, your job is to always operate knowing that God is with you. He's not sending an angel before you clearing the pathway. He is with you in that moment. In whatever it is you are doing, he is there. I'll give you a transparent moment so hopefully this will free somebody. Um, For me, a lot of times I have struggled in that area, and when I say struggled in believing that he's with me, it doesn't mean that I struggle in believing when it's difficult or a challenge, but I struggle believing he's with me, and this is just consciously in my conversations. Lots of times I get caught up and start talking, and my emotions get involved, and then I forget that. You know what? Christ is sitting right here with you, listening to everything come out your little filthy mouth. It's all right. I know y'all ain't going to tell the truth, but, you know, just give me my moment and hope that'll free you in your moments, right? And it's in those things, in the simplest of things, if you start to understand as a yielding believer that you yield everything unto him, your actions, your ideas, your thoughts, your plans, your desires, your conversation, everything in every moment. That's not about perfection, because I'm not perfect, and I'm not aiming for perfection. I'm just saying these have been things that I've seen in my level of correction. And with you continue to read, Moses has his own trouble now, you know, because Moses going to get so sick of the people himself, which I think he should have went back and remembered this moment, but he gets so aggravated that he stopped listening to God. See, when you do not remember that what you have is God, that if the people ain't listening, that ain't your fault. If the people ain't coming to buy from you, that ain't your fault. If they don't want what you have or they have a problem with the prices you set, that ain't your problem. You have to make sure, are you doing what God has called you to do? Because if you don't, you end up like Moses. You won't get to see the promised land because you will do something opposite of what God has told you to do. So you will delay yourself or cause yourself to end up off track. So remember as a yielding believer to stay conscious of the three facts. What you have does not belong to you. God has given it to you under under your administration, but it is his thing. He has possession of it. So you have to be willing to yield possession back to him. Number two, remember. It is your job in your actions that you are to display the power of God, His excellence. You are to protect His reputation by your behavior, not just saying what you say, but how are you behaving, and reminding Him you don't want the world speaking negatively about your God because of what you've displayed. And third, remembering the covenant that you are under. This will keep you moving forward as a yielding believer. It will cause you to begin to see divine success that exceeds the mind of you and every other human. It is success that will sustain. It is success that will exceed your expectations. And I promise you, It will get you so far beyond what you thought you wanted that you will even forget the things that you thought you desired because it will place a new desire in your life, and you will begin to see things flourish in a way that only God can do it. So I hope today's wisdom has encouraged you and inspired you. Join us back on the line tomorrow morning as we continue this week, and we will continue sharing wisdom. So we appreciate each and every one of you, so go and have a great and wonderful day.